0: it just broke every rule book, every paradigm of what advertising is about it, it you know on paper looking at it that should never have worked and and yet it's brilliant. I love it.
1: I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with Ben Slocum, a commercially and creatively focused marketer, mentor, And someone's built a successful career in consumer packaged goods, particularly in beverages and more specifically in alcoholic beverages. Most recently is the Director for Beer and Cider at Coca-Cola Euro-Pacific Partners Australia. Welcome, Ben.
0: Thanks, Darren. Great to be here. Thanks for the
1: invite. Well, it's interesting looking at your career because you started off in uh, mixes, you could say, you know, at Schweppes Company or it was Cadbury Schweppes in those
0: days. I I did. I did. I had um, I actually uh, finished a B-biz majored in marketing and and my first role was with Coca-Cola Amateur, which uh, was in sales. So which I'd highly recommend for anyone who um, is coming through that part of their career. Because I think ultimately um, in marketing, regardless of your role, you've got to influence humans. You're dealing with humans and, and you get great um, technique in that with, with something like a, a sales role at Coke. Uh, I then, yeah, did join uh, Cadbury Schweppes and uh, worked on some famous Australian brands in, in beverages, a bit of um, Schweppes Mixers and a bit of uh, Cotty's, Cotty's Cordial. Everyone remembers the jingle, my yeah. dad picks, picks the fruit that goes to Cotty's, uh, chocolate toppings, jellies, all those sorts of wonderful things. Um, back in probably categories that weren't so impacted by, you know, better for you trends and all those other things that have probably retarded their growth, you know, over the past couple of decades. So saw at its at its height and got some great, you know, marketing experience to start my career there.
1: And, Ben, what attracted you to marketing? Because, you know, you're sitting there at uh, secondary school. You're sort of the career advisors are saying uh, you can do X, Y and Z. You obviously chose to do a course uh,
0: with a business
1: focus and a marketing
0: component. Yeah, it's a good good question. It was actually um, I probably would say I fell into marketing in in the respect that I think if you asked me in my final year at school, I probably wanted to do law. And I got close to that mark but didn't get, the mark I needed to do law and so it's the power of deduction so you go oh, I'm quite interested in business, business then so why don't I use that as a fallback and so I probably arrived at uni on day one of a business degree going I think I'm going to do business but I'm not quite sure what facet of business and yeah. it was it was probably you know again the power of um, mentors and tutors early on can have an impact in your career in the workplace as, as much as uh, at, on the university campus. So that I distinctly remember two fascinating lecturers that I had in marketing, um, and they were ultimately great storytellers, and they were great at espousing the um, the fundamentals of marketing, but they were able to apply their uh, real world uh, experiences coming up through. So, you know, had one talking about when I was in when I was a marketing director, I launched bank card in Australia years ago, um, and just a fascination of, my goodness, this guy must be famous, and he's worked on campaigns where he makes TV ads, and ha- how cool is that? And then there were some other great tutorials that I had around um, the power of advertising, how consumers work, you know, what how the uh, psychological consumer behaviour, the psychology behind it all unfolds, and, and I just became fascinated very early on, so I knew that was... Um, the path for me and, and probably the, the finance modules at university <laughs> early on also um, steered me towards marketing rather than the finance uh, game, which I'm very thankful for so
1: well it's interesting isn't it because you know when you think about business most people think about accounting finance you know maybe doing an economics degree yeah and then at the other extreme you've got the bachelor of arts and you know you do something down there that you'll end up in business yeah but marketing really in many ways sits between the two doesn't it because it's ground in commercial realities in the The role of marketing is really to drive business growth. Yeah. But it's also got that sort of the intangible part of, you know, the sort of psychology of consumers.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you think about how marketing's evolved and it's probably... um, I'm probably talking about how my career has evolved over the past couple of decades as much as the marketing discipline has evolved in Australia. So if I think about starting off in my career... Um, I sort of sometimes shudder because I think it was close to 100% um, gut feel, intuition. So it was who had the best idea around the table, who could influence the sales director and ultimately get the managing director to agree and then how do we make that, how do we roll that out through customers and and through the sales force. And, you know, it was a little bit finger in the air, um, not a lot of science behind it and now you compare it to, you know, performance marketing, or mm. you know, some of the um, fascinating ROI models that are now out there, which are quantitatively backed, which quite analytical, quite um, directional from that perspective. So,
1: well, because uh, you know, in the last uh, decade, you know, especially mm. the amount of data that's available, you know, that that wasn't there before. You know, marketing was largely based on market research, which was Hiring some company to go out and Mm. either doorstop or phone up or, Mm. uh, you know, collar the people in the shopping mall and and ask them a whole lot of questions. (laughs) And and that was your insights into the marketplace at best.
0: Yeah. And and there was nothing wrong with that because that was probably... That was probably all we had at the time and, and I and I learned a lot about consumers sitting behind the glass, you know, um, after work, <laughs> <laughs> eating the uh the the Thai food or the pizzas with the, with the marketing team. And we'll you know, there there is a time and place for that, but it, it's just evolved and it's just changed. And and you're right, Darren, the data and the um the manipulation of that data and the predictability of um how consumers are gonna behave based on the data set in a business has changed the game. And that's that's reality. Now, interestingly, um, h- how you manage your data and the data strategy behind that is a real headache for every business, yeah. I think, out there. And anyone who tells you they've got it all sorted, I think, you, know, <laughs> you just sort of question <laughs> we ha- them. We right. haven't
1: found anyone yeah, yet that's yeah. got it
0: all sorted. But, yeah, yeah. you know, there's certainly some that have moved,
1: you've moved quite a substantial way yeah. down the path. Because yeah. one of the problems... Mm-hmm is that there is so can be so much data yep. and filtering through the, the wheat for the chaff is yep. a real issue because, you know, you're just overcome by, you know, yep. thousands of data points, which is, you know, one of the problems.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's a maturity curve that every business is going through. I'd say most are at, you know, level one and level two, which is, my goodness, hasn't the world changed? Um, what data do we have? Is it usable? Is it useful? Um, who owns it within the business through, through to how do we automate, how do we then use predictability yeah. and then how do we uh, grow customer base or grow sales or, or demonstrate ROI or help navigate the business complexity. So um, it's going to be an ongoing journey and it's certainly changed because um, 20 years ago when I was a brand manager, um, data was kind of like last month's sales. Yeah. Uh, and now it's the, um, the engine room of a business in, in a lot of respects.
1: And one of the other issues is that a lot of the data today is behavioural data. You know, people talk about it, but it's actually what consumers are doing largely online. Yeah. And the part that's missing from that is the piece of data that makes sense of why they're doing it. You know, it's really interesting that when you talk to, you know, for instance, uh, performance marketers, Mm. they can tell you how many people clicked on something mm. and how many people went through from a, a lead to a purchase. Mm. But when you ask them why did they do that, they're, they're then back in that world of mm. having an opinion or hypothesising what are the underlying drivers. And yeah. still the only way we can do that is actually ask consumers, isn't
0: it? Yeah, that's right. So you so wait, so you got the the uh, you got the usage but not the attitude and, and yeah. you still need to understand consumer behaviour um, from that and predictability um, will only get you so far. But I, th- I think the as businesses do go on that maturity curve, I, I think um, you, can't lo- you can't lose sight of the intuition that's still... I, I mean, I think most businesses have problems that they're aware of if you were to sit down with the exec team or the, mm-hmm. or the senior management and say, what are the issues that keep you awake at night? And then I, I also think that most of those people sitting around the, that table would have hypothesis or on their on their way to solutions to help solve mm. and that's before even turning on the excel spreadsheet or anything in that regard so i still think that humans solve problems yeah and Absolutely. That, well, well, we can't lose sight of that in, in We the are great
1: yeah. sense-making yeah. machines, right? Yeah. If something doesn't make sense, the thing that human beings do really well, and and you, you've used uh, opinion and hypothesis, you know, mm. but these are all words of just the way that we look at things and try and make sense of it, and we'll throw out, well, here's my opinion, here's yeah. a hypothesis of what could be working. And it's really important because it's actually part of the creative process. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, business has been crying out for mm. is that need to build in uh, creativity and because and mm. that's where innovation and yeah. new ideas come yeah, from. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, spot on. And, and I also think, you know, in a, in a more complex environment um, with, with the pace which is faster, with pressure on results, with... Probably less resource in most yeah. corporations these days. Let's be honest; they're they're fairly well leaned. They're not, you know, dripping with additional humans, sort of walking around wondering what where can I mm. where can I help. So we're in that environment, and and it's high pressure stuff. And and I do think um, starting with the hypothesis of what the problem is to be solved is seventy percent there. You, you, yeah. you know, you don't have time to clean sheet a lot of these things. So. Use your, use your experience, use your intuition, but make sure it's fact-based and analytical when you're applying the, the solution. So I think yeah. that's probably the the model that I've adopted in the last few years.
1: Yeah, um, there's a there's a quote around that, which is, you know, everyone has an opinion, but if you don't have data to back it up, mm. then don't bother talking because yeah. my opinion's worth more than yours. Yeah, you know, yeah. And it yeah. sort of falls into that because, yeah. you know, you said earlier round, everyone's around the table. It was... Who had the strongest opinion, or who? Mm. Well, now it's all about. You can have the opinion, but mm. if you can't back it up with yep. some uh, tangible you know, yep. evidence, yep. then then you're uh, a bit lost. Yeah. Trinity P three. So Coca Cola sales. Then you yes. went to Schweppes, and then you made a leap to Lion.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I, and I was a bit of a. It was one of those weird. Um, things. I was happy at Schweppes and you get the, the phone call from the recruiter and you're in your early 20s and, Ben, do you like beer? Would you like to go and work for a major brewery? And it's down the road and I'm thinking, who in their right mind could say no? You know, like so, you know, obviously went through the process and and started there and and I described as I grew up in my 20s at Lyon and, and left in my 40s. So... Probably you know, yeah. Had you were there a long time. Yeah, had a like wonderful sixteen years. Yeah, fifteen odd years. So mm-hmm. had a wonderful you know journey with Lion and and I grew up, my marketing grew up and I grew up uh, you know in my personal life alongside Lion. So you know the best of the best of some of the marketing years I've I've had and and you got I think Lion. I, I wouldn't want to comment on it on it today because I'm just not close enough to the business. But back at in, the time, yeah, at the time that was. Um, best in breed, uh, blue chip brand management uh, pedigree that invested in people, had a great culture, had great budgets, high profile brands and you got to shine and it was a great culture that underpinned it and um, everyone got on well and everyone worked bloody hard but you did the best for the business and the business rewarded You know those that performed and those that behaved in the right way. And, and that model still stacks up in my mind. Um, that is a is a wonderful, sustainable model for any any business to adopt. Now, it's quite hard to create that from scratch, but um, it was certainly in existence at Lion whilst I was there. And y- the other wonderful thing about Lion was um, in, a, in an era where a lot of the offshoring has occurred in marketing departments, it was the four the Ps, 100% in control, I used to joke, you know, turn up to a barbecue and go. If I want to change that, you know, bottle cap from blue to black, I can do that next Friday. And you, you know, you've got control over the four Ps, and that again is um, comes with responsibility, but it's empowering, and and you um, also, you know, had had great agency partners there as well. So,
1: well, yeah, you because know, we live in an era when people talk about marketing roles being relatively short tenure, you know. Mm. Uh, everyone argues, is it two years, three Mm. years? And they're usually talking about CMO, marketing Mm. director level. But what is it about an organisation that, you know, you can... Because when you look at your career at Lion, you had in that 15 years Mm. quite a number of really, you know, Mm. diverse jobs within marketing.
0: Yeah. I think, Darren, that's the answer to why I stayed 15 years. Um, So I probably had six or seven different roles and, you know, a lot of it was... A career progression which is wonderful and it's nice to get that acknowledgement but other times it was just fresh projects that were thrown away or um business challenges or um growth areas um I, I certainly would say that over the course of the 15 years there were a number of times where I was like driving home on a Friday night going right, right that's it I'm leaving I'm going to find a new job I'm kind of I need to go and do something different and every time I'd almost embark down that path um serendipity would kick in right. and uh, I'd be throwing a new challenge in front of that line. And so I just went with the flow and and swam with the tide and, and you know, enjoyed all of the, the great experiences that I got there. But I think there's a... I've always thought that there's a sense of um, the grass is always greener for particularly younger marketers. And I think it's great for anyone to see a two-, three-year minimum cycle on a brand, you know, Year one is really understanding where's where's the brand at, diagnosis of performance, understanding consumer typologies and the need states and what drives, what business model is is the brand operating in. Year two, you get to create your own plans, but you've got to execute as well. So it's a two to three year and and people sort of lose sight of that and they jump a bit too quick and zigzag around. And I I don't know, like I I think if you were to say if, if the marketer, Ben, the marketer 20 years ago, what would you, what would you say to him? I'd probably say to myself, um, I think try and find a line and try and grow with the organisation, which is a lot better than zigzagging around. But you've got to get diverse experiences and you've got to, you've got to get fresh, you've got to get some fresh things thrown at you, hopefully enrol. Um, and if you're not, then you would consider leaving. But in my mind, with the dynamic landscape we're in, every role's got f- fresh things being thrown at it because it's such a complex environment that we're navigating. Trinity P3.
1: Do you think it's also um, because you had some pretty iconic? beer brands to work on, you know, James Squire, Tuis, yeah, yeah. but also, yeah, there was quite a few in that, well, yeah. in that portfolio, weren't
0: yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, superb portfolio, great international brands, um, yeah, whether it's, you know, the Forex's, Tuis, Han's, um, Heineken's, um, Corona there for, for a while, and then just the, cru- you know, little creatures, and so again, you know, a great breadth of brands and, you know, budgets from um, hardly anything through to, you know, significant you know, um, huge budgets in the, in the in the day. So, um, yeah, it was it was an op- it was an opportunity that I, I looked back on with high fondness, and you know, a lot of great friendships, and even to exist to this day in, in the agencies that I got to work with through there, and um, yeah, very cohesive environment. Trinity P three.
1: Now, you mentioned agencies a couple of times, Mm. and I'm really interested in understanding from your perspective that relationship, you know, because Mm. one of the things that uh, we find in categories, you know, whether it's automotive or financial services, Mm. and even in financial services, banks versus insurance Mm. versus super, you know, or, um, or alcoholic beverages, you know, the beer category versus the wine category. Uh, marketers will often say, well, we're looking for an agency and they've got to have experience in our category. Now, Mm. I always think that's... But they can't be working for any competitors. That's the the next line. It's sort of counterintuitive. You know, I often say to them, that's like you want the experienced junior. Mm. You you can't get both. You can't get someone with deep experience in your category. And why would you want that?
0: Uh, I mean, I always had a view that... um I'd prefer to work with a select, you know, a close number of agencies, um, but bring them into the tent. So they, they were sitting around the boardroom with us trying to solve business challenges as much as writing the next copy or um, launching next year's NPD launch, you know, that, that sort of thing. They were trying to tackle business issues. Now, easier said than done. And you don't always get a brief. Sometimes it's like we do need a piece of outdoor for Christmas, and it needs to say X Y Z, and that goes with the territory. But I I was of the belief that um, if we bring them into the tent, they're a true strategic partner, and you want to share what's and where where the business is at, and what the issues are, and and what competitors are up to, and what the category dynamics. So I understand that that also brings that. Um, uh, oh you want some depth depth of category experience but if you work with someone and you and you open book it and you are genuinely trying to get to know each other and collaborate on these issues it doesn't matter their transferable skills are in strategic thinking creative development in yeah. deployment and they're transferable whether it's a car whether it's a carton of beer whether it's a, uh, a you know a banana and it's, they can do it right so it's so it comes down to who do you want to work with, where's the chemistry, and then bring them into the tent and put value into that relationship because on a Tuesday uh, night in cold, wet, wintry conditions, you want them thinking about your business, not someone else's, when they've got the choice of discretionary effort. So that's how I, um, that's how I sort of would view the, the re- relationships I've had with agencies over the years as a bit of philosophical... Uh, perspective.
1: And that idea of bringing them into the tent, you know, because obviously that comes with a huge amount of trust yeah. is the first thing. You yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You mentioned chemistry. Mm. I think chemistry is far more important than having an agency that knows the category or has yeah. experience in the category. Trinity P3. The other thing, I, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, certain categories get quite boring, mm. and, and and there's criticism of Australian beer yeah. that you know for the last ten years it's been sort of the same thing over and over again. Yeah, because when you learn the category, you don't just learn how it operates; you also learn what's acceptable and what isn't. Yeah. So it's very easy to fall into a rut, and I think yeah. that applies to any category.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. The 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 um. The uh, com- commentary around Australian advertising in beer um, has it has it waned or not? I think a couple of things I would say about that is it's quite difficult with regulations, and I and I experience that at Blackmores as much as you know in the alcohol industry. Like there is a high degree of responsibility that needs to come with communication and messaging. Firstly. And then, secondly, I think. Well, uh, uh, yes, the yeah.
1: regulations say you can't infer sexual or uh, success. sexual success or yeah. change of mood, and, and and everyone needs to look like they're over twenty-one, yeah. not just eighteen yeah, and, or twenty-five or even, twenty-five. So. Yeah, so yeah, yeah there are not, some rules, but that. I mean that's that. that's like trimming the edges, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll give you an it's example. Not that easy, everyone yeah. in automotive says the best view of a car is mm. the front three-quarter shot. Mm. Yeah, so every car is shot that way. Mm. And it's like, so why do all cars look the same? Because they're all shot from the front
0: three quarters, you yeah. know. Right? Yeah, they, they the love the grill shot, rules, don't they?
1: Yeah. These, these rules that pop up.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, 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 fresh thinking is is incredibly important. And, um, you know, sometimes the, C, the CEO or the MD used to ring up and say, oh, we've had a change of personnel. And, and they're sort of tail between the legs. It's a, it's a bit of an ugly phone call and you're like, that's fine, you know, like get some fresh dynamic thinking on the account, great, like away we go. I think the other thing is, um, and this is probably a bit contentious for me to say this, but um, if you think about what are your favourite ads, you know, for me the Cadbury Gorilla ad. Oh, yeah. Um, it just broke every rule book, every paradigm of what advertising is about, it, it, you know, on paper, look at that, that should never have worked and and yet it's brilliant, I love it. The um the the Sony coloured balls down the San Francisco streets, you know they're some of my favourite pieces of advertising. I can't tell you a great piece of digital advertising that springs to mind. And we've gone from and I'm not saying this is right or wrong. We've just we've gone from um, relatively large, impactful, high reach TVCs, of which you used to do one or two every so often, through to we now do a hundred pieces of. Bite sized content in seven second snips made yeah. for the mobile phone. And the, the canvas has the got, canvas got much shorter, small. smaller, hasn't it? And the power of the thumb scrolling down the screen means that it's pretty hard to stop someone mm. scrolling that thumb down. And I can't think of a piece of pure digital content that stopped me in the tracks and has been as, as impactful as Cadbury Gorilla or Sony Color Balls. Now, um, I'm sounding like a dinosaur when I talk about this, but what it's part of the paradigm of what we're living and grappling with. Yeah.
1: Do you think it also, you know, the other way of seeing that challenge is that it is a challenge, and that marketing needs to think, you know, more broader in the way that we actually use these media. Mm. You know, I think it's become very easy to use social media as the default or digital media mm. you know, as the, the default, but there's some significant limitations. And also, if you're not willing mm. to make it jump out, if mm. you're not willing to push the boundaries, then it does quickly become more of that digital wallpaper that uh, yeah. everyone's falling into. Yeah. which then puts it back on marketing and the and the, and the agencies yeah. to really push those boundaries. Because certainly agencies will complain about, you know, not getting opportunities to really push those boundaries. And when mm. they do, everyone celebrates. But the hardest thing... I guess the, the bottom line for me is, do you think marketers have become more conservative?
0: Um, I don't know how to answer that, Darren. What I would say is... Um, Certainly the conditions are more murky um, and you think about what we've gone through in the last two or three years, just the challenges in the world. Yeah. Um, is this a point in time or is this our environment forever? It's probably yeah. forever, right? So it's dynamic, it's complex, it's unclear, it's uncertain. Um, I alluded to the um, pressures on resource, whether that's marketing budgets, whether it's teams themselves, whether it's... The need for um, quarterly results earnings and that pressure doesn't go away, like that is our reality. So um, what do you need to do? So you need end-to-end business thinking. So you need to be able to have that seat at the table where marketing is demonstrating its worth. And the only way that comes about is if marketing is talking in financial metrics.
1: And delivering measurable and uh, accountable results. Yeah.
0: The best conversations I've had presenting to boards or to CEOs over my career has been when I've had that fact-based financial metrics on the slide, saying that if we invest a dollar in outdoor, we will get two dollars thirty-five of this campaign. Yeah. If we invest a dollar in TV, we'll get three dollars. Which which is still a challenge, though, isn't yeah, it? I know that's getting back to that black and white and removing the intuition, yeah. which I was talking about. But that's the reality. Yeah. Um. So, but you've got to you've got to be able to navigate. Those business issues, not just the brand issues, or not just the creative issues, or not just the social of media course, yeah. issues, right? And if you're not doing that, you, you're losing your voice.
1: So Ben, is that the reason? Because you did a post grad um, in a business management, didn't you? Yeah. Is I- that what drove that? Is that that realization of really needing those? you know more formal tools to yeah. have those conversations
0: or yeah i just think as you as you grow up through your marketing career you go through the gears of you know entry level into brand manager into marketing into you know whatever it is brand depending on the um, the structure but you get to a certain point where if you're not having those end to end conversations then you you're losing half your voice at the table yeah. so i think you've got to have a perspective on the broader business management side of things to be a successful marketer and to have, you know, long, long-term tenure mm-hmm. in, in your career. And, and it's the curiosity and it's never stop learning. And it's um and it's and pushing yourself and being able to talk to the CEO or the CFO in their language or a board yeah. in their language. And I can guarantee their language aren't cost per clicks or they're not no. they're not tarps <laughs> anymore. They're not um, you know, point of sale budgets, they're in return on investment, and they're in long-term strategic direction of the business, and that's what they want to have the conversation around. So I, I think the more you can you can gather, you've got to be the the it's a really difficult role, right, in, in marketing. You've got to be the, the best educ the you know, really great education. You've got to be reading daily, you've got to be exploring through other people, through learnings, you've got to be um self uh self re- reviewing where your own works at performance mm. and so um it's you know it's pretty full-on trinity p3
1: when we were talking a minute ago about agencies having to have experience uh, the other danger for marketers is being pigeonholed as well isn't yeah. it yeah is that uh, part of the thinking behind going from Lion to Blackmores? Because you mentioned yeah. Blackmores, you know, it's like yeah. totally, in many ways, a totally different category. Going from uh, alcoholic beverages yeah. to uh,
0: wellness. Yeah, it was, but but I also had a point to prove to myself that transferable skills exist, and you you can easily get pigeonholed, and, and that was the concern with fifteen years at, at Lion for me. But um, I, I, you know, I, I think about that journey, and I just think. There's so many great things that you can bring to to a new business, whether it's um, whether it's that fresh thinking, whether it's um, new frameworks, whether it's um, prior implementation models, innovation learnings, um, customer dealings. I mean, the great thing that that I learned at Blackmore's was that um, you, you can quite quickly pick up category knowledge. You mm. know, ma- marketing is marketing is marketing. Um, But then the overlay of the international global markets in the Blackmores business was quite fascinating because it was a business going from an Australian origin with half half of its earnings in Australia trying to transform itself into a uh, predominantly Asian-based business and and on that journey. So that was a fascinating dynamic Uh of, you know, legacy business into future-oriented business and the machinations that go with that and so... Look, uh, and I yeah. think
1: marketers generally are well equipped to, mm. you know, once you've got the marketing, you know, process and, you know, and yeah. talks about, you know, just do the degree, learn the process and apply it to the business. Yeah. Once you've got that, the same curiosity that I find drives marketers, you know, and that's one of the commonalities is just this, how, do, how does this work and how can I make it work better? Yeah. Is yep. one of the the big driver of really good marketing.
0: Yeah, and being able to draw on your experiences, the yeah. good and the bad. I mean, we've all had we've all had some rip, ripping successes, but let's be honest, not many of us want to talk about the failures. But we've all got plenty of those in the back pocket as well. And, and that's the yeah,
1: conversation you have over a beer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes, but I, we shouldn't shy away from it because yeah. yeah, that's cool. You fail, but what did you learn, and what would you do differently? Like. And and I think you know the authentic leaders talk about that with their teams, and um, uh, I also think you know if you think about your 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 marketing investment deployment, you you need to be spending seventy or eighty percent where you know it's going to work. You need to be spending ten or twenty where you've got a gut feel or you you think it's it's evolving, and then you've got five or ten. to experiment and for that yeah. to feed back into the seventy, and that that model absolutely rings yeah, the 10, true. The 10-20-70, yeah, it really does work, and and that that's been quite enlightening for me. It's a challenge
1: though, and it's a challenge that we've particularly picked up since the global recession of two thousand seven. Mm because a lot of marketers then you know you were faced with 30 40% cut in budget mm. and yet still deliver in a world where the financial you know market was just crumbling yeah uh, you know and and you would have thought that that came back but it didn't mm. you know it was it was really interesting to watch that yeah you know, since 2008 it feels like marketers are constantly playing catch up yeah with trying to get the resources they need and playing in a world where the number of options available to you are multiplying exponentially.
0: Yep, yep. There's a good thing that comes out of that though, Darren, and it's a word called focus. Yep. And I I think the word focus is underrated and undervalued by most marketers. So, um, at a point in time, every what what you know normally once a year, uh, we go into planning mode when we're in marketing, and and we we look at the market, we look at the competitive landscape, we look at what the consumer dynamics are, what what the customers are saying, and you devise next year's you know normally three year strategy, one year plans, and there's a lot of clever people in marketing, and what do they try to do? They like to cram as many. Um, strategies and plans into <laughs> that into that sort of document. We're going to do all of this over the next twelve months, yeah. and then you sit back and evaluate it, and you look at it and go, "How are we going to execute all of this?" So yeah. the you
1: physically question, don't, have the you don't have the resources to
0: do it. So the question is, is it is it um, you know strategy idea execution? So can you tick all three boxes? Because often, when a brand's going south, there's something, there's one of those areas has gone awry. And you need to tick all three boxes for a brand to be growing. And it normally comes back to, in my experience, it normally comes back to focus. Mm. And you're trying to do too much. You're not not executing on the plan or you're sitting on the fence strategically about where to take the brand or you're trying to stretch your resources too thin. Yeah, because I say all the time, you know, a great
1: strategy doesn't just tell you what to do. It tells you what not to do. Mm. And, you know, so in a world where we hear people are tactical all the time, you know, mm. short term, short term, short term, yeah. you still need a strong strategic framework yeah. so you can make decisions around even those tactical opportunities. Yeah. And I think that's part of what's missing. Trinity P3. It's interesting because where you're taking, you know, this conversation's taking us into that area of so what are the skills that marketers Need today, and particularly in the next, say, two to three years, has to be you know, it's not about knowing the channels, it's not being the latest on TikTok or, you know, or whatever else is out there, is it? It's really more about being able to manage that at, at that level, isn't
0: it? Yeah, I think you need to know enough to be dangerous and you need to lean on your agency experts, Yeah, right? So that's probably a point. I think secondly, um, I, I sort of would encourage an up and coming marketer to try and get as much diverse experience. And don't be afraid to spend a couple of years going into a sideways role, if that gives you a fresh challenge or, or new experience. Um, this whole notion that you have a linear career over the next ten years, and you get promoted every two or three years, is is finished. Crazy, yeah. It's crazy. So let's debunk that. But then let's also try and build capability along the journey, and you get that by going up and sideways and across and um, moving around different teams. So that's the capability of the future. And I'm a um, advocate of the general, the idea of a generalist marketer rather than a special specialist, because. I think, you know, again, to get back to the boardroom table to tackle those issues, you need whole of business thinking. Yeah. And um, as much as I would love to be a specialist in TikTok and how to engage and get 100,000 views in the next 38 seconds, it's not going to be able to help me with the CFO or the CEO when they're talking about future business growth. Um, you, you need to broaden your thinking and you need to float up and be more strategic. So any of those opportunities speak to the generalist nature for me um, in how to assemble a marketing career. Um, I think also it's um, one of the, the, the powers that I saw when I was coming through, particularly at Line, I was lucky to have some great leaders and mentors and even um, often people who work in and around agencies um, I I often would lean on them and say, "Hey, look, we've got a team offsite next week. Would you just like to come and chat about what are you seeing in brand XYZ or what are you seeing in this um, channel dynamic?" Or and they love to talk, and they're highly experienced people that you can learn so much from. So utilizing the the power of the, your, your networks around you, yep. that are, the the village, and then um, investing in. Um, the talent within your within your team because i I was a beneficiary of that when I was coming through the ranks and I understand the power of coaching and um, is is really important for talent retention as much as um, people having the the, the great journey in marketing that I had fantastic look um, ben we've run out of time okay
1: uh, this has been a terrific conversation and I, I'm almost tempted to ask you to come back and uh, we could continue it at some stage so uh, yeah, I'd it's an open, It's an yeah. open invitation.
0: I'd happy to. I have to double my um, price next time, Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Damn!
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. The budget doesn't yeah. extend
0: that far. <laughs> Focus, yeah. yeah.
1: But look, uh, before you go, I've got a question for you, and that is, uh, so when Ben Slocum's like, sitting down at the end of a hard week, what is it that uh, you enjoy as a tipple?